Apparently, millennials as a generation, which is a group of people who were born approximately 1984 and after, are tough to manage, and they're accused of being narcissistic, self-interested, unfocused, but entitled is the big one. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I interview one of my newest friends, business owner and entrepreneur, Ariel Schiffer. It's actually a funny story how we met. As some of you might know, I'm new to Charlotte, and one day I was just scrolling on LinkedIn through my graduate alumni network, and I saw that Ariel graduated just a few years before me and currently lives in Charlotte. So I did something that I normally don't do and was a little bit scary for me, but I messaged her and invited her out to meet for a coffee in the city. Turns out she is seriously one of the sweetest and most inspiring business owners that I know. In this episode, we talk about her personal experience in corporate and how she decided to step away from working for a corporation to starting her own business. This conversation was seriously so uplifting and I am so excited for you all to listen. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. (laughs) Yay, I know. I'm Um, so excited to have you on. Yes, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really helpful conversation for a lot of people listening because you've been on both like the corporate side of things and now like starting your own business. Like you have both those experiences, which are very different types of work experiences. You're still kind of early in on your career. So I think it's going to be really useful for everyone that's listening because they are people that are around our age, millennials, and I'm excited to get into it. So my name is Ariel Schiffer. Um, I also go by Ariel Stein. I just got married, but um, started my business before we did. So I've kept it as Schiffer in some places, but um, I am the founder, the CEO, the uh, entrepreneur behind Dream Pro, which is my brand. Um, And I do business coaching and I am a course designer. So, you know, I have done for you consulting services for entrepreneurs who also create courses in their product suite. And I also also advise people on how to utilize courses in their businesses too. So that's like the super quick <laughs> elevator speech, I guess you could say. Perfect. Before we <laughs> get started, I want to do setting the record straight. And basically the way it works is I'll say a few assumptions and based on your experiences, you'll say whether you think it's true or if you think it's false and you could add commentary or like justify your answers if you want to. Cool. I'm excited. So the first one is you need a business plan to start a business. No, false. You know, it's funny. I actually did have a business plan when I started my business, but I think people get sometimes caught up in the weeds as opposed to like just taking messy action. And I've actually seen a lot of entrepreneurs who are making really good money, but they started by just sharing free content with people, not really sure what it would turn into. So I don't think it's necessarily required. I think you're setting yourself up for success if you have one, but anything in business can change. (laughs) That's the constant is that it's always changed too. So I think a lot of people get stuck with like, oh, we need to, we need to go by the plan. And if it goes off, the plan and then it's mm-hmm. not successful in their eyes. Oh yeah. And um, you'd probably laugh if you saw my business plan. Cause you'd be like, this was your business. And I'd be like, yeah, for a day <laughs> it changed. So things always change. Okay. So the second one is you have to be an expert in the field to start a business. Hmm. I'm going to say true because expert is also a very, I mean, how do you define expert? Right. I think if you are a business owner and you're acting out of integrity, then you're calling yourself an expert. 
um, hopefully. <laughs> and so by expert, you know, basically you're the go-to, right? Or you provide the knowledge and the skills and the expertise that somebody that you're helping doesn't. So mm -hmm. I think as long as you're leading out of integrity and you're a few steps ahead of the person that you're serving, you can call yourself an expert. I think regardless, there's always something to learn no matter what level you're at. But yeah, I think as long as you're confident enough in calling yourself an expert, why not serve people? And sometimes too, that's the thing. Like I think sometimes people start businesses and they don't consider themselves experts because they have that imposter syndrome. But I always like to say, like, if you're helping people from where you were at or just utilizing a skill set and you're doing it out of integrity and you're helping them to your fullest capacity, why not? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people around our age don't consider themselves experts until they obtain X amount of years and mm -hmm. then they finally can call themselves an expert. But I love the way you put it. It really is like if the person that you're helping out doesn't have those skills or has that knowledge that you have, you are that expert in that circumstance. Yep. Absolutely. That relationship. Oh yeah. And also too, um, I won't harp on this for too long, but Oprah has imposter syndrome. So if Oprah can accomplish everything she has and have imposter syndrome, like you could start your dang business and help somebody else out with whatever skills you already have. So everyone experiences yep. it for sure. <laughs> and the third one is you gain more experience working for a company than working for yourself. False. I think um, you could take so many different avenues in your career, whether it's working for others or working for yourself. And depending on who you are and your circumstances and how open you are to learning, I think that's what really unlocks how much you learn. So um, I think it's, you know, what you make out of the situations you're in, regardless of if you're in a job. I mean, you could work from your, for yourself. I've seen plenty of business owners and they're so stubborn and they're not learning anything. They're just running a business that's, you know, usually dissipating at that point when they're not <laughs> open to learning. So, yeah, absolutely. And the last one is you have to be self-motivated to work for yourself. Mm, true. Unless you have like oodles of money and you're just able to outsource every single thing in your business that you don't like to do and you could just allocate five hours a week to whatever the hell it is. Yeah, you have to have um, discipline for sure. I think it's the motivation that gets you started and it's the discipline that keeps you in the game because there's there's nobody, that's the biggest thing and, and I actually talk about this with my clients is there's such a shift from being an employee to an entrepreneur and it's not necessarily what you do but it's your mindset behind it and um, it's understanding that some people like, you know, newsflash, if you have a job, some of you out there might be working and you're doing the bare minimum because you know you're getting a guaranteed paycheck at the end of the day. Well, when you work for yourself, nothing's guaranteed and that's actually the beauty of it too, because it really un uncaps your potential. Mm -hmm. However, there's nobody that's going to be standing on your, you know, front step saying, Hey, Ariel, don't forget to do this. Or, Hey, Ariel, you should really get on that. You know what I mean? Right. It's you. you have to so, be yeah. And so, um, as long as you can learn how to discipline yourself, I think it's something that I still, um, I don't struggle with it, but I'm learning more about myself every day with it. And you just see how you work best. And then you work around that. So that way it doesn't feel like you're um, straining yourself to enjoy what you do, but more so you're working within your own limits, but you still have to have discipline <laughs> to show up even sometimes when you don't want to, because like anything in life, like much as you could design the business of your dreams, there's going to be some things that maybe you like less than other things. So that's really well put. Can you walk us through your journey post-graduation? I know you went through the same program that I did a few years earlier than me. And I know a lot of people that are listening are either in their early career or right about to graduate. So if you could just tell us a little bit about 
about your experience. Yeah. So um, I basically, I went to, I'll start from undergrad because that'll kind of lead into everything. But I went to University of New Haven for originally for music industry in undergrad. And I was like, I'm going to produce music. <laughs> and then, um, and then I like took my first music class and I got a C and I've like never gotten a C in anything. And I was like, eh, pivot. And so <laughs> I'm not like, honestly, was, like, like in art, I got like a, a B minus or like a C plus in an art class one time. And I was like, wow. <laughs> You're like, it's art's supposed really to be humbling. subjective. <laughs> so Oh my God. Yeah. So I was like, um, maybe this isn't a route for me, but I think what made me, um, rethink it more was I was like, I don't even know what I want to do with this damn degree when I graduate. So I pivoted into psychology for like literally no reason other than feeling like I should do it. I think I, um, at that point was following my intuition and didn't really know what an intuition was. And so I went into that and my, I think junior or senior year, I took an IO psychology class in undergrad. And I loved the concept of the problem solving and creative thinking. And um, I always imagined myself working in business in some way. And so I liked it because I knew like from a therapist standpoint, like that wasn't really calling my name. So I loved it. I decided to go to UNH for grad school. It was funny, the woman leading the program at the time, she was like, you know, you should really go somewhere else because, you know, it's going to come across on your resume if you go to the same place that you don't look cultured. And I was like, I'm from New York City. Like I have had enough culture in my life. Like this is the best program. I'm going to this school. So <laughs> maybe I spitefully went into that program. I don't know. But like, <laughs> like I'll show you. And I mean, there's a few other ones. And I think there's like more programs growing year after year in different yeah. colleges. But especially at that time, I graduated from undergrad in 2012. So like, at that time, I knew I wanted to stay in New Haven. At the time, I was um, actually engaged to my ex-husband. And I was like, you know, I want to stay here. This is the best program. Why wouldn't I go here? Like the seems ridiculous to uproot my life just because of your opinion. So I ended up staying there. And um, I loved it. I had a lot of fun while I was in grad school. I interned for uh, Diesel, the Italian denim company. Um, I did some recruiting there and I was like, ooh, I don't like recruiting, but this is a very good experience. And then um, basically like uh, while I was wrapping up my degree, I got a full-time job and I was a, oh, this is funny. I was a um, corporate training, social media and event planning coordinator. It was like the longest. Anything to do with IO Psych? I, I totally botched the shit out of it, but it was like the <laughs> longest job title, and it was basically they told me I'd be pioneering a new training program for okay. them while I did some HR, social media, and event planning. And so I was like, "This sounds like a dream job." But I got there, and it was like ninety percent event planning, and I was like, "There's no way in hell that with all You're this debt it. I'm in from grad." Like, yeah, I was like, "I I can't." So, um, and I was getting paid like next to nothing because, you know, post-grad life. <laughs> yeah. And um, so after that, I ended up working for a bank and it was a good experience. But I just remember like, it was a good experience because I got a lot of exposure to like the real training world because that's where I really wanted to be. But I remember literally driving into work one day, sobbing in my car because I was like just making ends meet. I wasn't really thrilled about going to work every day. I had a hundred plus K in student loans. And I just remember calling my dad sobbing. And I was like, is this what there is to life? Like, is this what people like go? Like I was freaking out because, and I was, um, and yeah, I was just like freaking stuck. out. Kind of feeling stuck. I would imagine. 
Yeah, I felt so stuck. I was like, I can't, like, I could barely cover my bills. And I thought I was getting paid a lot at that time. I think I was getting paid like 50, which isn't bad. Yeah. But I was just like, I was just so underwhelmed with it. And like, being in such a corporate environment, like, even though I'm a business coach, like, I am like, literally, like, I have purple hair right now. So like, being in a bank, (laughs) it was just like, not my thing. And, um, and so I just said, you know what, I'm going to do like, you know, when you get into that mode, I feel like sometimes you go into this like fight or flight where you end up on Indeed looking at the weirdest shit. You're just like, you're like, what, what can I find that like is my dream job? Like speak to me through Indeed, you know what I mean? And then, um, and then I was like, okay, there's, I'm either going to like find my job on Indeed, which I totally didn't, or I'm just going to give this another go and try something completely different. And if it, if I, if I hate it again, then I know that I need to pursue something different. So I also just took it as a time to say like, you know, do I want to live in Connecticut my whole life? Because it seemed like everybody who was living in Connecticut, like hated living in Connecticut. <laughs> and so well, I was only there like, for two years. And I noticed that as well. I picked, on right? that, I picked up on that very quickly. <laughs> I was like, y'all are complaining hate, a lot. Which caused me to hate Connecticut. So. Right, right. It was just like, you know, I don't know. It was like, everybody's just like misery loves company. Right. So I was like, I got to find a place where people like to be there. And so I was like, you know what? People in the South, they're awfully happy. So I decided <laughs> to like, literally, this is my thought process. I was like, I'm going to apply to all these jobs in the South and just see what sticks. And so I applied to Lowe's Home Improvement. Their headquarters is right outside Charlotte. And they actually called me. And I had a fantastic interview with uh, the woman who ended up being my manager. I still freaking love her to death, like talk all the time. And um, and so they, I, I ended up getting married. And then the like two days after my honeymoon, after I came back from my honeymoon, I had an in-person interview. They flew me out to Charlotte. And at the time, you know, from all the travel, I had a double ear infection. I was just like a mess. (laughs) And they had me do this whole case study. So I had to do this presentation. So I literally was showing up thinking to myself after having this grand wedding, I was like, you know what? I love all the people in my life. There's no way I could leave, blah, blah, blah. My dad's like, go to freaking Charlotte. Like you got a free trip. Like just check it out. Like you're, you have nothing to lose. I was like, whatever. If I don't get the job, I'm not going to feel bad about it. So I show up and I was like, God damn, this place is awesome. And like, I'm like looking around as a beautiful corporate office like the south is just so pretty and everything was just so pristine and like coming from New York City you're just not used to that (laughs) so um I was like oh my god I needed this job (laughs) so ended up getting the job they moved me and my ex-husband down to Charlotte like a couple of months later I got married uh end of May and I ended up moving early July so that's how like yeah. yeah yeah so um moved it moved down here and yeah so that's been like my journey down here and then ended up working there for like four years. It was a great experience. They ended up having some leadership turnover and all this other political stuff that typically happens (laughs) at one point or another. And it just, you know, at that point I was just like, you know, based on where I was at in my career, I realized there wasn't really potential for me to grow into the kind of space that I wanted to be in because it was such a large organization that there was such a specialization in their jobs. So, you know, the kind of job that I wanted was really the job of like three people who work there. So I was like, I need to work for a smaller organization and just get more like and move on to the next step. Like I was just ready. And I ended up going to a healthcare system and they promised me, you know, that I'd have the creative freedom I wanted and all this stuff. Um, And then I got there and then they ended up going through this whole leadership transformation and 
HR thing and um and I was getting taken off of my projects left and right and I just had this moment where I was like I'm not here for this <laughs> like I I have so many skills to give I have I have so many um things that I want to do and I just felt so restricted by the possibilities and I've always been a very independent person probably because I'm also like an only child so like just naturally I'm just like <laughs> this is my life you know what I mean and um and I ended up meeting, I know this is very drawn out, but I ended up meeting a, um, a couple that were our neighbors when we moved into the city of Charlotte, when I got that job at the healthcare system and they had their own businesses. We partnered with them, um, to start me and my now husband <laughs> to start, um, our like, you know, just part-time marketing biz. And I was like, you know what? I have a dream that's like bigger than this, bigger than my job, and I'm just going to do it. So I started Dream Pro as a career coaching business. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was kind of crazy because basically three months after starting my business, um, it got to a point where I was comfortable leaving my job and I haven't looked back. And so since November, um, right before Thanksgiving, I've been my own boss and yeah, and now it's April. So I'm like, that is still going. Journey. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, the ups and downs in anything like in business and your job and your career, like it doesn't matter what you do, like you're always going to come across obstacles and challenges, but, uh, this has been like a super fun ride. So it's been cool. That is so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so what would you say your biggest challenges were working for, a corporate setting. Like I know you said that you felt like at the healthcare organization that you had a lot of skills that you wanted to, you know, bring to the organization and you thought that it was going to be like that when you first got in through the doors, but you soon realized that it was kind of inhibiting a lot of your creativity and your skill sets weren't really being used. So I want to know kind of your thought process behind all of that. Like what was your gut telling you? I want to know what that looked like for you. Yeah. I mean, just being really transparent, like there was just so much corporate bullshit. I hope I'm allowed to say that on oh, the yeah. podcast. <laughs> so much corporate bullshit that it felt like was getting in the way of not only me doing my job, but for us actually taking care of the people that we were supposed to serve. And so it seemed like decisions were being made based on people's, you know, egos or people's, um, you know, perceptions from others and all these other things. And it seemed like the very last thing that was being um, taken into consideration was the end user, the person that we were helping. And like, typically for somebody, some of us in like a human resources role, that's other employees. And so I'm just a very big advocate for like, who am I here to serve? Like, what's the bigger mission? I, I have to feel really connected to my purpose. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I feel like everybody does. And when you can find an organization or build an organization that aligns, you know, what you love, what you are good at, what you can get paid for and what the world needs, like that's where you find your ultimate sense of fulfillment. And so um, I was done with the, the corporate BS. <laughs> I was done with the political stuff. I, you know, wanted to have purple hair and a sleeve of tattoos and not have, you know, a second look at me thinking, oh, is she capable of doing whatever it is? You know what I mean? Because it's like, hey, I, I want to be allowed to be myself 100%. And I just wanted to be able to, to like, um, just call the shots, like, <laughs> just to be able to lead things and the way that um, I know they could be led. And it's hard because, you go into a role like that and you have all these projects and things that you need to do. 
Um, and it can be really difficult when you never see the end goal or the end impact of what you're doing. And it just feels like you just do work or you just do busy work. And nobody wants to feel that way. Like we're put on this, like we feel our best when we're helping other people or providing them something, you know what I mean? It's kind of like when you give somebody a gift and they tell you, oh my God, like, you know, you changed everything or this was so sweet and so caring. And like, this made such an impact on me or like you were able to help me so much. Like hearing those little like compliments are amazing, right? And then when you don't hear that and you're just going to work for eight hours a day and you're just feel like you're pushing papers and typing up things and it's not like really changing the world or who's even looking at this, it's just kind of like, ew. So <laughs> I was just yeah, so underwhelmed I'm, by I'm it. I'm glad that you actually brought that up because that's something that I want to talk about. I know a lot of people, especially at lower levels at bigger corporations, sometimes feel very unproductive in their roles because they feel like, they are just kind of spinning their wheels and not really seeing the results of what they're working on or hearing a lot of feedback. Um, so I want to know kind of what the difference is with that working for yourself. Is mm -hmm. it a whole 360? Um, yeah. Do you feel more productive in your day-to-day -day versus working day-to-day? -day? Yeah. It's so interesting because I'm thinking like there are some days where, well, so here's the thing. When you work, um, <laughs> when you work at a job, like like I said, you work your 40 hours a week, you know, you're getting your paycheck at the following next day. When you're an entrepreneur, I'll give you an example. So I just launched a course on courses, like how to create courses, digital courses. And while I was in the course creation phase of creating this, like I was putting in hours of work and creating content and doing all these things. Like, you know, at the time I didn't see a paycheck for that. Right. Like I'm just working, <laughs> I'm just creating stuff. I am just utilizing my, you know, creative energy and stuff. But at the end of the day, the following week, it wasn't like I just magically had a paycheck waiting for me for the work that I did, you know? So it's, it's a lot more long-term thinking and making sure that you're really optimizing the time that you spend. So I knew this was, you know, something that I started working on um, in early March, February, right? And so I wasn't getting paid for it then. I'm getting paid for it now. I'm going to be getting paid for it in May, actually, still, um, because of the work that I did and the payment plans and all this other stuff. So it's, it's really about thinking more long term and understanding that you're not going to necessarily get a paycheck for every single thing you do, but you're always sowing seeds in your business. Like you're always creating, you're always engaging with people, creating content, building your audience, and you never know when that person's actually going to need you, but one day they might, right? Or one day they will, or maybe they won't, or maybe they'll lead you to somebody else. So it's very much too, like, it's more of a, I mean, at least in my business, everybody has a different one, but um, I'm about relationship building. There's a woman who actually reached out to me. She lost her job from everything with the coronavirus. And she reached out to me. She's been following me since like basically day one of my business Instagram account when I was a career coach. And she, um, she literally said to me, like, I just lost my job and I'm thinking that this is the time to reevaluate. And, you know, she said, I thought to myself, if I could do anything that I wanted and not fail, what would I do? And she said, it would be to start my business. And she said, you know, I, instead of looking at this as a failure, I'm looking at this as this is my opportunity to do that. And she's like, I have been following you for months and months and we haven't even spoken, but you've instilled so much like rapport and trust in me just from showing up. You know, I'd love to talk to you about your course. So we got on the phone. I was like, hell yeah, I want to talk to you. And so, um, you know, we were just talking about what she wanted to do and she was a little bit worried and she had that imposter syndrome of like, who am I to like 
start a business and talk to, you know, other businesses because she had a B2B bot model. And I was like, if you have a skill set that you're able to help these people with that they don't have, you're an expert. And, and I just had to like kind of set it straight to her like, hey, we've all felt that way and you're going to feel that way at any level in your business. And, you know, acknowledge it and move past it because it's okay. Like there's always something to learn, but you have something at the end of the day that they don't. So you should provide that. And, um, and yeah, so she got the course alchemist. I'm really excited because she's going to be building her course that she's going to be launching, but it's like, you know, that's so cool. Like, I love that. You get to really like cheer those people on too. Like you said, it goes back to seeing the impact of the work that you did. Um, you invested a lot of time up front, but you know, you're, it's paying dividends later on. And that's, that is so awesome. I feel like that is also kind of a component. What draws people into wanting to start their own business is because pay is uncapped. There's pros and cons to both working for a corporation, but then also having your own business, kind of the safety net of working for a corporate, always going to get that paycheck. You know, you're getting paid no matter how hard you work, but when you're working for a business, like you said, you could be investing a bunch of time up front and not really get that until a little bit later, but it's uncapped. So it's really the mm-hmm. sky is the limit for how much you can make. Yeah. And I think too, like I was actually just having a conversation about this with my husband. So my husband, just for reference, is a movement and strength coach. So like we're both like coaches and business owners. It's like, it's oh, so weird it. to be in our home. Yeah. <laughs> we have very interesting conversations, but you know, he was, we were talking about time and money and all this stuff. And I was telling him, I was like, cause he was talking about like optimizing his time in a day. And he was talking about allocating X amount of hours to this X amount of hours to that. And I was like, you know what? Like in the corporate world, we're used to saying like X amount of hours working 40 hours a week. I said, when you own your business, it really has nothing to do with hours. Like, yes. Like you need to make sure that you're managing your time correctly. And nobody wants to like, I mean, even I, like <laughs> when I say I'm off, like usually you'll find myself like I'll find myself working on stuff because I actually really enjoy it. And when I'm inspired, I want to do something about it. Right. But it's not necessarily about the hours you put in. It's about the value that you put in. And that's the cool thing about your business is like, if you're able to put out a bunch of content, that's really high value, high quality in like two hours and then do nothing the rest of the day, then like fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the cool part is it really isn't about your hours. And there's a way to like, there's so many different hacks. And um, one of the principles that I made for myself was, and how I really, um, you know, got into the mindset of wanting to shift out of corporate America was the fact that because I was a course designer, I was in a very creative role. And it's really hard as somebody who's a creative to basically like show up at a certain time and be like, okay, now create, right? It's like, it's like, but I'm not like inspired. And I'm sitting in like a cube that's made of like gray fucking carpet. Like I'm not like in the mood to do this right now, you know? So one of the things, and one of the tenants of my business is I am going to create when I want to create. And when I'm not inspired, I'm going to do something else or just take a rest. And so I've practiced that and it's, given me so much energy because when I don't want to work, I don't, unless I have something I need to do or uh, an appointment scheduled, of course, I'm going to show up and and Mm -hmm. plan for that. But like, if I plan to create a spreadsheet to like track something, but I feel really inspired to like create some content, then I'm going to create some content and I'll do a spreadsheet another day. Or maybe I just need to sit on the couch and watch Netflix because I've been working seven days straight. Like you own your time. So I think that's the coolest part. And another thing too, and, I, and then I'll be done with this part no, I love too. It. Is, um, I know you mentioned like having that safety net of like a job and everything. The truth is like, even though people call it a safety net, it isn't. People are losing their jobs left and right. 
because your job is basically owned by something somebody else like somebody else is still dictating your life and how much you make and if you're able to show up the next day to your job right so it's something that could potentially be more consistent but it's not a safety net and that's the thing like thinking short term and long term like my long term goals are to have multiple streams of income um, and to be able to build this sort of not necessarily empire but kind of empire or just a way for me to feel so secure financially that nobody could take anything away from me and that I'm able to weather storms. And so I think, you know, especially, I think this coronavirus has definitely educated people on um, the importance of, you know, saying, Hey, if I'm in a job that I hate and I just got let go of it, you know, like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, was it for the security? Cause clearly it wasn't there. You might as well do something that you love. Um, And even at the beginning of it, I was like, oh my God, what does this mean for my business? And then I just shifted my mindset into thinking, oh my God, how many people am I going to be able to help now with my business? I I kept thinking about you during this time too, because I'm like, she must be so busy because this really (laughs) is like a turning point, I think, in the way that we work. Like Mm -hmm. uh, even personally too, I haven't even had a full year of starting my career. I'm eight months into it. And this is something Mm -hmm. that's allowed me to restructure how I think about my own job. Like I haven't been Mm -hmm. out in the workforce for a long time. And now I'm hit with this, like my job could be very replaceable, but how can I provide value in other places? How else can I be a value? How can you be an asset to something else? Um, It's kind of twofold. Like it, it sucks that we're all going through this, but it also allows us to reflect on where do we want to provide value? What do we want to commit ourselves to? And I kept thinking you are probably in a great position right now because you're helping people who really are thinking the same thing that I am right now, where it's like, if I get dropped tomorrow, like, what does that mean for me? Where do, how can I provide value to other people and share that? And you're kind of creating that platform for them to excel that idea. Yeah. And it's so interesting too, because I've actually had people come to me They're Actually, I'd say about the half the people who are a part of my course program have full-time jobs and they're using it to either monetize for their business or just to be able to put out a product to share with people on skills they have because so many people now are taking this time at home to say hey I have time to like take a course or to learn something different or to really they're using this time to explore and so courses are a good way to get that knowledge right away and to feel comfortable with it and I've just seen such a boom in creativity and it's just so interesting because I've cut myself in this sort of like business bubble where I surround myself in my social media with people who are also business owners or are just you know living life in like a really cool way and so I'm surrounded by positivity like all day long. Like I see like people are like, you know, now it's like, you know, don't stop selling because like the economy needs people like us to provide these things. And, and, you know, imagine if all the business owners just stopped selling, like imagine if Amazon just stopped selling, like what everybody do, right? So it's not a time to just sit back and feel bad about selling. It's a time to say, Hey, I have all these things that could help you take your life to the next level. And so I just kind of like stepped into that. And it's just funny because it's like March was my best month in business yet. And it was in the middle of a pandemic. It's not even, um, you know, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a surprise to me because I found all these people that were in a place where they needed this and I made it accessible to them. That makes me and so the, happy that people yeah. are like wanting to find creative outlets and starting mm-hmm. to think in a different way. That's very different from the traditional way of the ways that we work. Yeah. And I think that's the direction that I see everything moving in is things being more fluid and people really owning their lives in different ways and not feeling like, 
you know, their life is 90% their job. And then when they come home, they fill in the rest. It's more so of how does my job fit into my life as opposed to the other way around, right? And I think that's a really great approach that people should take because it's going to help them feel more fulfilled too. Like it could be a part of your life, but it doesn't have to be your life. And you can, you know, you could do cool shit. You could, you know, make a course on sewing and then be this like accountant in the day. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so many things you could do. It, it yeah, doesn't, I think we all um, identify with our jobs too. Like within mm-hmm. a couple of minutes of meeting someone, you learn where they work and what they do. We really do find our identities in what we work, where we work, mm-hmm. what we commit ourselves to. But I love what you said is like, you can be multiple different things and create work around the lifestyle that you want to have. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be the other way around. And that's when opportunity opens up when you start to think that way and then act as it. And it's something I preach all the time. It's like, you know, if you keep living your life the way that you are, that's what you're going to keep getting. But if you get into the mindset of this is what I'm going for. And if I was in that position, how would I act? And if you act that way today, you're going to have that tomorrow. So that's literally how I built my business was saying, what would business owner Ariel do? Is she here for this or that? And like, when I quit my job, I was like, does business owner Ariel have a job? And I was like, nah, so I left. You know what I mean? Like, that's basically, I don't advise people to do that when they have no income. You know what I mean? But like, but that's what I'm saying is like, you know, and then as soon as I left, I like tripled my business that month because I was just energetically available for it. Clients being more of like younger, like millennial generations or like a little bit of a mix? A mix. So I've seen um, lots of people. I mean, you know, it's really interesting. So my personal business coach, so I am turning 30 next month, which is actually really weird to say, but my business coach, I think she's like 24 or 25. Um, and so like age doesn't even mean a thing. I've been so surprised by the people in my network. I've helped people that are 21, 22. I've had people in my network who are 46, 49. So it sounds like a range. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's the thing. It's like, everyone's the same as long as like, what matters is that you have a dream and you're pursuing it. You know what I mean? We're all the same. It really doesn't make a difference. Um, I, I, you know, when I started out as a career coach, I was coaching women who were millennials and it really fit me because, um, I mean, even though I've actually helped some women who were like, you know, moms returning to work after having their kids and staying home and things like that, you know, those weren't necessarily the people I identified with the most because I don't have children and I'm not, you know, a middle-aged person going back to work. I mean, I've helped my dad like get a new job and like, that was like pretty cool. Like, I mean, I'm able to help people with my skills, but it's not it's not where I feel the most connected. And so I started as a millennial career coach because I felt connected to that. Um, but now as a business coach, like I just primarily work with women, um, even though I actually do have basically two and a half clients who are men. Um, but my thing is like, I'll never turn somebody away for like being a man or a woman. I think that's yeah. silly, but I'm like, you know, if, if, if we have a good relationship, rapport, and we can work together, and then absolutely. But um, my marketing, I would just say, is just more targeted to women. Like, guys are probably aren't clicking on my lavender, you know, and yellow brand. <laughs> color schemes. So, yeah, exactly. Well, I love color schemes. You have a <laughs> client success story that you'd like want to share with everyone? Yeah, I mean, it's I've worked with so many interesting people, and it's like the transformation sometimes, like, I've seen some business coaches talk about, oh, you know, she went from like zero dollars to making like 100K months and all this crazy stuff. And um, I want to like talk about one of my um, business coaching clients. She is a web designer 
And when we first started, she basically just had this idea. She was charging like $800 for a product that she's now marketing at like five grand because it was like so much work. And I was like, girl, you need to put up these prices. Like this woman has stolen your soul for 800 bucks. Like no way. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and so like just working with her, um, you know, she recently was like, you know, I thought I'd have like my business running a little bit more than like what it is now. And I was like, let's take a step back and look at the entire transformation. Because when, when we first started working, you didn't really have a name. You didn't really, you didn't have any online presence. You didn't have, um, you know, like the mindset behind it. And, you know, now she has her branding like done. She has her presence. She has people coming to her, being referred to her. And like the biggest transformation was just her stepping into the mindset of this isn't a hobby. This is my business. And I think that's huge. And like, you can't like put a price on that because if you're in the mindset of it being a hobby, it'll always stay a hobby. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, um, being able to see her transform from, you know, side gig to business, I thought was just the coolest thing. Cause I mean, everybody these days has some sort of side biz or side gig and this and that. But, um, I think when you really take off the side gig hat and put on the CEO hat and you start thinking, what scary things can I do to really grow to the next level? And you just step into that. That's when you become like the biggest boss is when you're able to take those leaps. And, and most of the time they're leaps of faith, right? You're, you're planning for, for the success. And in order to have the success, you need to put your eggs in that basket. You know what I mean? Like you can't build a business one leg in one leg out. You're never going to have what you want. And so to see her kind of jump in and like put in the work and to communicate a lot with me and like, it's just um, been a wonderful relationship. And I could just see like, we're not done working together yet, but like I could already see how much success she's having. So just stories like that, like just being so connected to people as they do this, it just like fills my heart. And that's what's so much fun is like, I'm, I'm such a creative, but like, I love just helping people make that shift from employee to entrepreneur. Yeah. And mindset is so important. And I feel like from your conversations that you've been having with like a lot of your clients, it's, it's of course kind of advising on their courses, but also helping them shift their mindset too. Cause if Mm -hmm. the person doesn't come in with the right mindset, um, you really can't find success without that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Business is like 80% mindset and 20% strategy. Like, yeah, like you need it. It's so true. Like I remember like I, when I first launched something, I was just like, I'm just going to follow these steps and do it. And like I showed up, but like my mind was not there. And like looking back on videos now, I like cringe. And that's the best thing though. If you can look back on your stuff and cringe, you know, you've grown. And so like, as much as I cringe, I'm also like, thank goodness I'm cringing right now because that means I'm at a completely different level. Um, and it explains a lot too, you know? And so, but yeah, that's the biggest thing with success is like understanding that like you need to get your mind right. And it's the most important piece because you could have the greatest idea on earth, but if you don't have your energy behind it, your confidence, if you're afraid to execute it or to, if you're afraid to even just, um, you know, let it play out and learn from, you know, a potential failure, then like, you're never going to have anything because like you fail all the time in business, like mm-hmm. all the freaking time. But now it's just fun. Cause I'm like, cool, that didn't work. Next thing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you get back up really quickly for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, 
it teaches you to be resilient. I think I've become more resilient because of my business as opposed to me having to feel like I'm the most resilient person ever and then I could start my business. So I think that's the thing too. It's like you learn this shit along the way. You just need to be open to it. Yeah, and I think the the biggest difference, I think, of course, you resiliency in the corporate setting too, but you just don't fall as hard as I think mm-hmm. you do when you actually have your own business. And like you said, the highs are really high when you have your own business um, and the lows are really low, but that spectrum kind of shifts when you're under the roof of a corporation because it's not at the end of the day, your business is somebody else's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I always joke though. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I've been more even killed, but like, I just remember like one day, even actually in the past week, like there was one day where, um, I, <laughs> I had like three people, like actually I had five people enroll in my program day one and it were, or six, it was six people on day one. And so like, of course on day one, I was like, I'm a boss ass bitch. And I'm just like, you know, like, <laughs> I love like it. drink drinking from my like boss babe mug. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the greatest person ever. And then like day three, I'm like, why am I even in business? And then day four, I'm like, yes, I'm like a CEO. <laughs> like it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> it's just, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself and like give yourself grace. You know, it's, um, it's just, it's a different playing. It's a different ball game oh, altogether. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so before we close out, I wanted to see if you had any advice to give to millennials that are at the start of their career or just about to graduate. Yeah. Think about what you want to do. And if you couldn't fail, like what would it be? And then just fucking do it. Like, <laughs> because you're, you can either, no, seriously, like you could either start today or you can wait and start later. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are, you know, like a lot of people do love their jobs and thank God for the people that do. Like you think about people who are police officers and doctors and all of these essential people. You think about people who are, you know, and, you know, like, I don't know working at a humane society. Like, I'm just thinking of random stuff. Like we need all these people and yeah. And I'm definitely not, um, you know, anti-job or anything like that. But if you have this dream in your heart and something that you want to do, it's not planted there to tease you. It's there because it's possible. And, um, you know, I always say too, it's like sometimes by playing it safe, you're literally living your life out of fear as opposed to just living your life on your own terms. So um, you know, I think, I think the universe, and this is very boo, I, I'm like, I get very spiritual and woo, but like, honestly, like, I think if your head and your heart are in the same place, and if you believe you can, and you take inspired action, I don't think the world will let you fail to a point where you can't get back up. So, you know, I think you just need to connect with the right people, surround yourself with positivity, regardless of where you go in your career, um, surround yourself with people that lift you up, because, um, you really are the sum of five people that you surround yourself with, like a hundred percent, 10,000 percent. Like it's so freaking true. So yeah, surround yourself with people that you admire and you want to learn from and grow from, and just don't be afraid to, um, to really go for it and just have fun. Do you wish that you started your own business a little bit sooner or do you feel um, like everything played out? Like being in the corporate, do you think the corporate experience allowed you to be a better business owner? Yeah. Um, I think for sure my, my path was there for a reason. Like, I think it's funny. I look back and I'm like, this is why I did this. And this is why this happened. And like, I think everything was really divine timing. So, I mean, do I wish I had a business or a thriving company at like 21? Like, hell yeah. But like, you know, but I don't regret a single thing at all. 
Um, and, and I think any time in your life, you could be 21, you could be 65 is a good time to start whatever you want to do. Like there's no limits. Like the only limits that exist are placed on ourselves. That's it. It's true. Yeah. So if people are interested in reaching out to find you, what would their best way of finding you be? Just to check out your courses, uh, just yeah. see like all the services that you offer. Check me out on the gram. <laughs> I'm like, I basically live on Instagram. I do a lot of social media marketing. So you can look up dreampro underscore. And then also find me on LinkedIn, Ariel Schiffer. Well, thank you so much, Ariel. This is so fun. Thank you. This is a lot of laughs in here that people are going to be able to